welcome to a brand new episode of Fire in My Belly, an art podcast, probably. My name is Kat Grafham. I'm an artist, educator, and I'm the co-founder of the Foundation for Wives of Italians Who Hate Rotini Because It's the Worst Pasta Shape. Wow, it has been a hot second since I recorded a podcast. And honestly, I am ready to reignite this series because nobody wants to be my friend or will talk to me unless I bribe them to come on a show. It's going to be a little different now than when I stopped making it. The first iteration from 2017 to 2019 was more about LGBT art history, but honestly, history boring. Nobody liked history. And also it was way too much work. So I thought I'd change it up by just having conversations with other queer artists and seeing what makes them tick. Turns out it's just a bunch of gears because they're all watches. It's a fucking stupid joke. This first episode is a goodie because I am talking to the Seattle-based glitch artist, Zoe Wolf. Zoe makes such cool shit with distorting images using audio and video hardware. She takes amazing Game Boy camera photos, and she's been a collaborator with me on some of my own projects. In the conversation I had with her, we talk about retro games, extreme unicycling, glitching images as a metaphor for transness, and she walks me through her art making process. Before we get into the conversation though, if you want to see the video version of this podcast that includes me and my guests' lovely faces, as well as visuals of all the things that we talk about in real time, you can get that exclusively over on my Patreon. My patrons also get access to new episodes two weeks in advance. If you want to become a patron and help support me, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash catgrapham. Okay, let's get into the conversation. Why don't we start by you introducing yourself and like how you sort of like classify yourself as an art maker? My name is Zoe Wolf. I am a glitch artist and Game Boy camera photographer. Um... And I guess also a digital artist, but mostly that sits in the realm of like glitch art. And then, yeah, like Game Boy camera stuff sits in the realm of pixel art. So it's all kind of like adjacent. But um, yeah, like my main thing is glitch art. Like my my like tag is glitch wolf. Uh, Literally, I have like a glitch wolf tattooed on me. Yeah, Um, I'm a big fan of your tattoos. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Um, This is by uh, this is by uh, MX Morgo uh morgues on uh twitter i, I think, think you're mutual yeah, i know yeah i don't know why i didn't know that they were a tattoo artist they're not yet they they just do tattoo commissions um i actually got it inked by zoe brooks uh firestarter ink up in seattle cool um and she she tattoos a lot of a lot of morgues work um i think I have like a bat by Morgs on my back and then I have like a wolf on my leg by Morgs and that's all tattooed by Zoe. I uh, guess I need to go to Seattle. Yeah, yeah. She's booked up, but uh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm 
I'm sure. I feel like every tattoo artist is booked out for like two years. I also, I wanted to have you sort of like talk about what brought you to making glitch art because I know that you didn't go to art school. You don't have necessarily Uh an art background. You have like a software engineering background. And I'm wondering how you sort of navigated that and ended up creating art sort of semi-adjacently in a way. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because I, I actually did very much like want to be an art major, like in high school. Um, My wife and I met in high school and actually like went through art class together. And I remember her going through the application process for like Micah around the same time I was Mm -hmm. looking for schools. Um, I ended up settling for like a, a public public school in uh, New York State called New Paltz. It was like liberal liberal arts, and it was actually one of her choices because it was like art adjacent. And I was like, oh, that's a perfect excuse for me because I can do computer science but be around the art people. Um, and ended up actually double majoring in theater there. Oh, theater um, as well. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to do theater tech and like stage stuff. I was uh, actually this is a perfect segue because I was really inspired by like Nine Inch Nails live performances. Mm -hmm. They had really intricate light setups Um, when they came back in like 2014. They used like connects to do like projected silhouettes and live glitch art and stuff on stage. Um, And actually their art director at the time, Rob Sheridan, is like very, very famous nowadays for like kind of establishing like analog glitch art as an aesthetic oh interesting uh, back for how to destroy angels that was like the first time he had really done like stuff on crts um god i've run out of breath talking about this stuff uh, <laughs> but uh yeah it's it was like a combination of being a, a nine inch nails fan like going to computer science uh college and wanting to like really make art and then like sitting on tumblr at my like help desk job uh i i found this account let's let's glitch it um that was doing like all sorts of tutorials for all sorts of various glitch art techniques um digital or like analog glitch that back then it was digital because i had like no money and a macbook um and it was great because actually some of the pieces you had originally found by me um were done in notepad and audacity so like opened up an image in a text editor, jumbled the the text around and like got crazy results. Um, and then with Audacity, that's like a whole other pipeline because you'll open an image in this audio editor, apply effects like echoes and phaser and reverb, and it will actually have like a very noticeable effect on the image. Um, and then you export that as raw data, rename it to like a TIFF file, and then it'll actually hopefully show up in your image editor if you don't break the header i was i was actually gonna ask you specifically because you've mentioned using audio hardware and software to glitch images which i mean you just explained and that makes much more sense but i was literally like how the fuck does that work (laughs) because i knew the notepad trick of of uh messing around with it messing around with an image file um and it making a dice roll of either garbage or stuff that's really cool. Um, but I didn't know. I just, the the audio portion, it just goes way over my head. 
Yeah, that I think that was when I really felt like I broke through with it. Like I made some of my favorite stuff back in 2014 because like it, it truly transforms like the images you give it. It'll take something simple and just like turn it into a mess of color or like different artifacts and echoes. Um, and yeah, like I kind of went dormant for a couple of years because I got really hard into my tech tech career, like moved across the country twice. Um, and then I got back into it in like late 2019, 2020, and then like the pandemic hit and then I transitioned and then like um, I kind of had like a burnout crisis with my tech career mm -hmm. and and took three months off. Um, and when I came back, I had already kind of established a thing with the Game Boy camera and it was kind of by happenstance. I just got into Game Boy modding really hard as like a cope. Uh, and was just playing like old Game Boy games and I happened to get Game Boy camera in one of my eBay purchases, uh, fell down the rabbit hole of that, found like the Discord community there uh, and was like already trying to break out of tech and like do more art online um, and see if I can make that a thing. I had actually had uh, the crow tweet you had found where I took a picture of a crow with a Game Boy camera with like a Canon lens this mm -hmm. big. Um, and that blew up to an extent where I actually felt like I was actually getting somewhat of an audience. Um, and around that time, I had finally gone like, OK, like it's been long enough. I've done only digital glitch work. Uh, I need to get a CRT. I have a house now. I can finally like fill it with tech crap like I'm not moving all the time. Uh, and I literally like the same day went on eBay, looked for like local listings for CRTs and then like DM them like, hey, can I just come pick this up tonight? Like, I really want to do this. <laughs> um, and they they did. They like dropped it off at like a local post office. I was like, oh, I have like RCA to headphone adapters, like headphone jacks. And I had this and it's it's just like a splitter. It goes between two inputs so you could like plug an iPod in your mm -hmm. computers, into your speakers. Um, and then I was like, what if I plug the video into this, convert it to headphone jack and then convert it back to video. And then I just turned the knob and it actually changed the intensity of the image on the TV. Uh, so it's like live feedback brain. of, of glitching yeah. whatever you're passing it through. Um, and yeah, like I could tap the mute button and it would flicker on and off. And like prior to that, I was literally just like unplugging the cable from the TV to get it to do that. So I was like, oh, well, that's a life hack. Now I've got like a kill switch. Um, and I had like an old Canon camera from like back in like the yearbook high school days. Uh, and those are perfect for shooting on TVs because you can lock it to like 60 frames per second. Yep. Yeah, so you don't um, get the weird, the weird. Like banding and mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, and I had set it up with just a laptop, like in my closet. I was like, all right, I'm going to try to not make this a super expensive hobby. I'm going to keep it really lo-fi. Well, which, <laughs> funny, funny now. But yeah, um, I was going to say that never works out the way. Yeah, can, like right? I did like feedback loops with the Canon camera because I plugged that into OBS and I would like switch between like uh, that. And then I like was like, oh, well, I have OBS and I have my Game Boy camera. I can just plug that in to my TV and then get like pixel art on the TV. And at that point, I had already created a couple like skull gifs in mm -hmm. uh, with the Game Boy camera. So I had a lot of images that I could just kind of throw up and then glitch out. Um, and then doing this live, like kind of blew my mind. And it, it basically like at at the time, I felt like I was more of a Game Boy camera person mm -hmm. online, even though I had done glitch art like way back. Uh, and this felt like a perfect like merging of all of my like artistic interests up to that point. 
Uh, and then I kind of just went really hard after that. Just, yeah, hyperfixate until it's consumes your your whole life and there's no like do you feel like there's other people sort of in the same sphere kind of like doing the same experimenting and like creating similar work as you I, I guess I'm unfamiliar with like if there's a sort of like glitch art scene or what that looks like Sort of. It's pretty huge on like, I, I find mainly Instagram is where a lot of glitch artists go. Like I, I went on TikTok recently and, and barely anyone's posting there. A couple people are. And generally it's like footage of setups like mine uh, displaying stuff. And you'll see that on like Instagram reels too. But like at the time when I got into it, I like, I knew of Rob Sheridan doing it. And then like uh, Epos Fox, who's like a YouTuber, he also, um, was also pretty into that like analog stuff and he had set up a discord channel in his discord for glitch art um and in the game boy camera discord we were talking about glitch art so much in the photos channel that they were like hey can we like split this off into a new channel because it was like <laughs> me and uh danger who mm-hmm. who did some of your art for the the game um because danger was doing this really cool stuff where they were taking the game boy camera and just making it into like digital pixel noise and then glitching that. Um, and I'm pretty sure now they're working on like live shows with like the oh. Commodore 64 or something with like crazy ASCII art going on. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until like six months after I got into analog that I started like Googling other artists. And I found like I was using guitar pedals and headphone mixers and like really lo-fi stuff. Uh, and then I was like, oh, people like circuit bend video processors and like, oh, wow. Okay. They don't just like take a VHS tape and hammer it. Like they have purpose built gear for this. And I didn't know that for like months and months and months. So it kind of blew my mind and completely opened the doors. Uh, and that's where it kind of got expensive for me too. Cause then I started buying some of that gear. Um, but it made the process easier. Cause then I wasn't like, I used to just like sit in my closet, try to like daisy chain a headphone thing into a headphone amp into a DJ mixer. And like, sometimes you get a usable image. Sometimes you get garbage. Um, but when you get these like circuit bent devices, they just kind of like add amazing, beautiful effects. Like here, I just turned a knob and you've got all of the like, yeah, I see the, I see the like, on. um, yeah, I don't know if you would, if it's, if it's called banding or what it is on the, like the horizontal, distortion um because i think that's why i didn't initially read it as the game boy camera because it like distorts it enough that it feels sort of like cctv footage yeah Um, yeah so explain what exactly is is happening in your background right now um okay so in my background um this is a Game Boy camera plugged into a Super Game Boy, plugged mm-hmm. into a, a Super Nintendo. Uh, it's the analog Super NT, which is nice because it has HDMI out. That goes into my computer. Uh, I crop it to just the Game Boy camera, like viewfinder. The, yeah, the actual uh, image itself rather like, than this, the whole thing. Normally, yeah. it, it looks like that. Um, and then I just have it just to this. Uh, then I actually have a, a second OBS instance that... Uh, I control what video I send to my TVs, um, which that's that's this setup is all all of this junk. Um, and then I I route that video signal through all of my gear, uh, turn some knobs, change what it looks Whoa. like, 
Um, and then I, I wrap that back into my computer. Uh, though sometimes I will also just take like a, a mirrorless camera or an SLR and take photos and video of the TV. So is, is, so is that the current background footage right now being from a camcorder? Yeah. Okay. That's this guy, uh, which this is really fun. So the, the reason it's flickering is actually not because of the effects. Like what the effect you're seeing now, it, a lot of people call ringing because it's it kind of matches the shape of whatever it's wrapping around. Um, but the flickering is because this is an old like VTR camera. So this is before they had like mini tapes. Mm -hmm. It's just a full VHS deck that this plugs into. Uh, and it used to come with like a shoulder strap and a massive battery. Um, I got this camera for $15 and then he was like, oh, you have to plug it into a VCR. And I was like, oh, whatever, I have one of those. And then I look it up and it's like this vintage $100 like refurbished VCR I had to find. It wasn't um, but just yeah, compatible like, with any VCR. Yeah, it's no, very that'd specific. be too easy. But if you tap it, uh, it just kind of glitches out, and it just it's kind of just messy, and it looks amazing. Um, it, it actually really reminds me of um, uh, an internet friend of mine, um, Jesse England, who does a lot of like really sort of conceptual art. Um, did this piece where he, okay. Let me, he recorded, he had a camera recording a TV uh, through a VCR and was destroying the VCR. So it was- I've seen that. Yeah, he, yeah. it was capturing itself being destroyed, which I thought was just like- Very poetic. Yeah, yeah it, it I was, love that. It was beautiful. Uh, I actually used this. Uh, I had a friend, uh, Maru, release an album this week on Spotify and I just took the title generator from this, put the lens cap on and glitched out the song titles for each of them and then recorded that and overlaid it on the album art and glitched the album art too. Uh, and I was able to make those like Spotify canvas loops just using like authentically glitchy VCR texts. Yeah, because uh, I think the, I feel like a lot of people emulate the the aesthetic of um of of glitching images and I like even in like Procreate now they have sort of like different yeah. distortion effects that you can add. Do you see? Are you like a purist in that? Um, those sort of like emulations are, I don't know, discounted or like not real enough for you. They're they're not satisfying enough to me. Like I think for me it, it lacks a level of control. Um, I, I think like the AI art's like a whole rabbit hole, but that's the mm -hmm. thing I have with AI art is you can't control the output. You kind of like, you can prompt it, but you can't be like, oh, tweak this little thing. And with glitch art, like, especially when I used to do audacity stuff, I would, I would make like 10 or 20 variations of the same image over and over and over. And then it layered those all in Photoshop. Um, I tweeted about this yesterday because I used to feel like that was cheating. We're like, oh, I'm doing digital effects to like glitches. Um, but like the end product looks amazing and I'm using an authentic process to do it. So I think I've gotten a little less um, precious about it. Cause also like now that I, I combine the Game Boy camera with it, like that's digital and I'm piping that out back into analog. And I think what matters is that I am like processing this stuff through analog gear. Um, do you think it matters? Does it matter just to you or do you think it matters to other people? Um, that's a good question. I feel like it does matter to certain people, like especially other glitch artists. Sure. Um, I also feel like it just kind of sells the effect better. Like 
there's something about like uh, every Netflix documentary these days starts with like a glitchy title reel and you can tell it's just like an effect that they use in Premiere because it's like in 4K, it's crispy. It's just kind of like spitters out for a second and comes back together. And that looks really great. And I think a lot of people like in film and like more professional industries want that. But as far as like, what I'm doing, I, I really prefer it to be lo-fi, to be 240p and like really crunched down. Even when I do widescreen stuff, I'm actually sending like a four by three squished image into my gear and then stretching it back out to 16 by nine, like in the final products usually. Um, but yeah, like there's layers of it. You can record video on like a digital camera, but then pipe it through a VCR and it still gives that same like effect yeah it's hard to I, I find the same thing with film photography where like you can add as many um like presets in lightroom as you want but it's just there's just like it's and it's like almost impossible to kind of like describe or put words to but there is just mm -hmm. something different and it feels different when it is like done the old way i i wanted to ask you is the glitch art a means to an end or do you already do work for you've mentioned live performances like a couple times is like is that sort of like the avenue that you see this like work living in or is it album art for artists or what is what is where can it exist um Ooh. in a way that feels uh like worth it to you or like where would you like to see it go i feel like it's all of the above like live shows are amazing and that and that feels like kind of the peak for me like being able to do that and also because you're you're kind of like a member of the band at that point you're mm -hmm. really like moving in rhythm with the other artists um i i just did a music video this week it's it's gonna be a while before we release it but like that was the first time I got to sit and like record glitch footage while listening to it and then like sit and compile something after the fact that like met the mood of the songs. And then there was those the Spotify canvas reels I did. Um, and yeah, like I, I kind of just want to get involved everywhere. I even I have some glitch art in the intro to uh, Street Uni X, which is like a uh, old school Tony Hawk style unicycling extreme sports game oh um okay. yeah it's it's super fun i love it uh highly recommend it uh made by my friend daffodil um but yeah like i i took uh footage of like unicyclers doing sick tricks routed it through this stuff and then recaptured it where i also did stuff with my mixers where you could get like kind of a clear idea of the unicycler riding but the background or like the sky was all glitched out what kind of anyway, sick tricks do unicyclers do? Um, a lot of it is like grinding on the pedals. So like the like normally like on a skateboard, you'd use like the trucks or something yeah. to grind on a rail, but they'll like use their foot on the pedal to grind or like they'll do crank flips or like ride backwards on like a really like tight rail or something. Um, it's really cool. It's like, I don't know, unicycle parkour. It's kind of yeah, yeah, like... Yeah. Sort of like that's, skateboarding. That's but... something I have uh, never considered uh, is extreme unicycling. Did Pretty you, cool. I, I think we, I had, we had talked about briefly at one point, um, Skate Story, the game. Yeah. 
that I, game looks amazing too. yeah i was wondering if you had thoughts about the way it sort of is like approaching glitch adjacent aesthetics i have kind of like ambitions to figure out how to live glitch stuff within game engines like authentically by using maybe like uh data from the game but the problem is you can't like save a jpeg process it through audacity and spit it out like 60 times a second you have to be more creative um there's an anecdote about metroid prime where there's like a certain enemy that makes your visor go all static and they were like we didn't have any room in ram mm -hmm. for the static graphics so we actually just displayed like junk data that was like live in ram on the screen and it's actually like ascii if you like look really close or something crazy like that or i think they tried to like output text as an image and that's how they got the static which is actually like what happens in audacity if you go too hard glitching something i i think there's i think there's that possibility with with game boy stuff and i was um yeah. thinking about doing it for for a project because like you can sort of reliably like literally overload the what the hardware can handle to produce like weird stuff like consistently because the hardware is so limited um yeah that you can like find the boundaries sending really you videos of it like uh like in game boy camera gallery when there was too many like the tiles were too much you would sometimes get like text from the last thing mm -hmm. you looked at overlapping in the bottom of the the room you're in or something and it was like the um, same every time too which is like yeah. kind of the interesting part which i mean i don't really understand how it works um but it could definitely i think be exploited on the topic of game boy cameras i wanted to because you are as you mentioned you were the first person that i saw using the game boy camera in an artistic way and that super inspired me to um pursue it and make the game project that i did what specifically about the game boy camera drove you to it um i think for one it was just i i had never had one before and i kind of just yeah. it was just buying it on ebay like when i was really curious um, I think back when I did that, the only thing, the only coverage on like YouTube of it was Wolfden did two videos on the Game Boy camera mm -hmm. and they had gone through in the first one, like painstaking efforts to get a like accurate pixel for pixel capture of the image. And they had to like use a GameCube and then like a, a scan converter because they didn't have HDMI yet to like manually screenshot each one. And then a year later, they came out with uh, like a bunch of cart readers. They all kind of dropped at the same time. Uh, and he was like, oh yeah, you could just dump it from the save file. Um, and I bought one of those like a month after I got my Game Boy camera. Um, and I think, oh yeah, uh, I went to like uh, a friend of mine locally had arranged like a uh, go to the zoo and draw animals thing. Um, and I was like, oh, this is great. I'd like to meet some local artist friends, but I, I don't really draw. Like I can kind of, but it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, can I just bring my Game Boy camera? So I, I brought just like a regular Game Boy camera to the zoo, unmodified, took 30 photos. One of them, I got like a crow in flight, which was actually really insane for like the stock lens. Um, and I started posting those to Instagram. And then Chris, who runs the Game Boy Camera yes. Discord, I think found me through Instagram tags. And then like I joined that and I also like started finding other Game Boy Camera artists through Instagram because like 
once you find one, Instagram recommends you more and more and more, and you just like start following all of them. Uh, and it's a really like amazing scene. Like the people who are in it um, are like really tight knit. Yeah, um, it's and like brilliant. Like, yeah, seriously it's, amazing. It's like really wild. The stuff <laughs> that they do just for fun. Yeah, I mean, like, so like this camera I have it is like what lens modded with a, a security camera lens. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in a custom 3D printed shell and it's not even on the original cart. It's on a flash cart, which was a custom PCB where you have to like salvage the chip from the original cartridge, solder it onto here, put some components in a flash chip on it, um, and then run custom ROMs, which is actually like incredible. Uh, it's almost like the, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting what the ship is called, but the the idea of- like, Ship of Theseus, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you replace every, every, every plank of the ship, uh, is it still the same ship in the end? <laughs> is yeah. it still a Game Boy camera? Yeah, like it's still the original sensor. So like, I feel like that's that's what motivates a lot of people um, to keep messing with the hardware. Because um, also like the way the Game Boy camera cartridge processes the image is like very unique and specific. Like it's an old Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi uh, digital camera sensor. And then the cartridge itself is doing like edge detection and dithering in like very specific ways. Yeah, the dithering is like really wild and like quite phenomenal for for the time and for the hardware. Yeah, what I find really cool, I don't know if you've messed around much with the the like custom ROM. It's like uh, it used to be two bit pixeler, but now mm -hmm. that forked off into GB photo. But the manual mode has some dithering options you can kind of mess with. Um, to see if I can get to Yeah, it yeah, you can like turn, you, you can essentially, it's like a slider almost, right? For the, for the dithering, you can turn it, or is it like low and high, I think, and off? What I love is that you can lock it to like a really low or I guess a high frame rate mm -hmm. so that I'll I'll do that in combination with like these key lights so that I can get like a really stable video image of uh of whatever I'm like yeah, trying to consistent because otherwise it would it would vary the I don't know what priority it would kind of like translate as but like it was not a shutter priority so that if you know the, yeah. the sensor did not have enough light it would slow the shutter down so much so that it would be at like one frame per second like feedback. yeah yeah it was basically on i guess like auto exposure yeah. um i don't know if any of that comes through like the analog gear also just because of the lighting right now but yeah like i can kind of mess with it you can brighten the image uh which is insane to have that that capability like yeah 30 20 what years later from yeah like from they've reverse engineered the whole thing uh I think someone has like a way to like decap chips and then like view them on like an electron microscope or something. And like, they can kind of see where the pin in outs go. And like, that's how they're like tweaking all of the settings in this menu is just by like, I, I don't know how that stuff works. Honestly, I'm not. Yeah. I feel like I'm at like, I'm like just below the surface level knowledge of it where I'm like the, you know, the prosumer level of, uh, Game Boy camera knowledge, and then you're like a couple layers deep, and then those folks are like fucking reverse Beyond. engineering the whole yeah. deal. It's wild. I feel like from an outsider's perspective and somebody who's been like sort of in the like 
retro gaming community or like the modding community or stuff based on old hardware do you think these like niche circles are a bit of a boys club or do you see diverse people diverse voices making this kind of work um i personally feel like modding and glitching and distorting existing things kind of like appeals to queer people and especially like trans people because it's like kind of like a a reflection but at the same time i feel like i just it can be just kind of like a sea of straight white dudes i don't know if you have thoughts on that I, so I, back in college, I used to run a site called Sprites and Dice, which was like a indie game board game review site. Um, and like, that was pre-transition too. So everyone on the site was like outwardly a white dude. Um, and I used to collect retro games and that also all of the scenes I was a part of there really seemed to lean that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like with Glitch Art, uh, the original artist that inspired me on Tumblr, Let's Glitch It, I had looked them up after I transitioned and found out that they had like also transitioned uh, years mm. later. And I, I remember DMing them and being like, oh my God, I'm like so happy for you. Uh, but yeah, like I feel like Glitch Art and like modding stuff and like not being precious about this stuff and not trying to preserve it. I feel like there's like a whole thing about like how like fascism is like trying to go back to the old ways um mm-hmm. which is a separate conversation but like not being precious about this stuff and instead trying to make something new with it and also like generally like if you're lower income and queer like you're trying to make the most of what you have on hand making art out of the the tv you've always had in your bedroom since a kid or like using a camcorder because you never upgraded to digital gear um even the Game Boy camera community itself is way more queer than any other retro community I'd found up to that point. And that's really nice and inspiring. I like, I remember Glitch Art feeling like a boys club when I like first got into it. But like the more I get into it, like now my Twitter following is like a ton of other trans women who mess around with glitchy stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, where were all of you years ago? <laughs> like they haven't transitioned so yet. <laughs> nice. Yeah, honestly, honestly, the pandemic like kind of swooped and got us all. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Like it's really nice to see that like people who are into this stuff seem to be very like primarily queer. Um, I think like notable people on YouTube doing this stuff, like Nick Fears does a lot yes. of like hyper pop glitchy video stuff i actually mm-hmm. like glitched one of her videos because i was just watching it on uh, on my crts and like had taken some photos of it and it's it's fun to be able to do that too she actually just... she owns one of my paintings as well that's amazing mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah, yeah i i think just also like after i came out the internet became a much warmer place for me because before i like I was trying to make it work in the boys clubs and like I, I never wanted to like step on any toes or suggest I was like too queer to hang out. And now it's like all of the cool queers that are making content know each other. And it's it's just nice. Like it's not like a big deal. It's just like we all like are just really interested in kind of the same stuff. Yeah, I think it I think it can exist in that space in between of like it's not intentionally queer, but the like the camaraderie or the just kind of like there's like a safety or, or like a level of just like comfort of knowing that you're surrounded by people who aren't going to judge you on that level that I feel like yeah. helps get to a closer, more like intimate community. And um, I guess like now that I'm thinking of it, like the thing about like 
most trans communities is I find a lot of people have way more agency over their lives than they ever felt like they had before. And there's like kind of this like radical idea that like gender is not a constrained thing. Like you can, if you want something in your life, you can make changes to make it happen. Uh, and I think that's why that ties so well into like circuit bending and like modding and glitch art, because it's, it's literally like taking control of these things you own. They're not precious collector's items. They are like meant to be studied and messed with and modified. And like, we're, we're really like upcycling this stuff. Um, it's, it's both are like, um, especially transitioning, I feel like is, is a, it's both like a subversion of the mass culture. It's like it's it's yeah. all like taking something and and making it your own and and having control over it, like you were saying. It's precisely it's fun for me because I came out so long ago that I'm now just like seeing all of these people just like come out and like uh blossom and uh evolve. Um and it's so beautiful, but I'm like things work like this when i came out 10 years yeah, right? ago <laughs> things i i mean like i i definitely kind of knew that i wanted to do this like back in 2014 when i actually when i started making glitch art was like when i was probably at my most dysphoric because i had like it clicked in my head that summer and i was like oh no i don't know what to do about this and i kind of like expressed that through glitch art i would take pictures of myself and then i would distort them beyond recognition because i just did not like myself at the time i um, did this literally the same thing with pain um which wow. i think is really interesting yeah you have like a very like glitchy style to your paint you do really interesting things with like shearing imagery and like messing things up that i think like appealed to me for like the same exact reasons yeah it's it's like a um it's the glitching of a analog medium that's existed for 500 years yeah yeah it's cool that like uh analog stuff can kind of like i guess influence back on on painting and like that can also influence forward on on digital stuff um it's really really cool i did want to ask you and you kind of touched on it a little bit with like uh your passing mention of uh preserving of things in fascism mm. uh, but i one of my questions was like do you think leaning in too heavily into nostalgia and putting sort of like old ideas or technology things of the past like on a pedestal do you think that's like a, a pitfall in making new work I think that's really interesting. I've talked about this a lot with my friends because like uh, I think that's what I was trying to get away from initially when I started doing this stuff, especially not being too precious about the gear. Because like I think especially if you look at like retro game Instagram or YouTube, there is this like mythologizing of this old stuff and specifically of like old companies and like old marketing campaigns and like all of this like consumerist capitalist stuff. But I, I feel like with glitch art specifically, I'm I'm trying to invert that. Even when I was like using the Game Boy camera, I didn't try to draw too much attention to like the Game Boy nostalgia of it. I mm -hmm. was more interested in and kind of just the output of it. I was like, I like that I can make pixel art with a camera because I'm a better photographer than I am an illustrator. Even with glitch art too, it's funny. I I like dig for VHS tapes a lot. 
And what I find is a ton of old, like religious tapes of like, found one that was like beyond the grave, what happens to us when we die? And it was just these two like preachers going on about stuff. Uh, I Googled them later. And of course they're like sharing transphobic garbage now. Yeah, Um, obviously. But like, I like taking that imagery and distorting it. Cause like, I don't know, there's some glitch artists will take like pretty women and glitch them out. And it's an aesthetic, it looks cool, but it's also very objectifying. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, I feel like if you are taking like I don't know, old ideals and and messing them up. There is there's kind of like showing the age or showing the imperfection of it. And there's also like the cathartic satisfaction of destroying something that is like really harmful to society. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think that kind of feeds back into the the idea of regaining control and having agency o- yeah. over those things. Even like Game Boys, like Nintendo doesn't want us to do this stuff. Oh, I mean, God, they might no. appreciate I'm honestly it, shocked but... that no one's been sued. Like, je- like yeah. really. Especially in the hardware scene. Like, it's such a, I, I think it's just so huge that they, like, they can't really do anything about it and they don't want to because they know it's worse press to do something about it. I don't know. That's like a whole thing in itself. And then there's emulators. And... But yeah, like, I'm, I'm really happy to, like, be using this old hardware that just everyone happens to have. I think that's why it's more popular than like modding, like say like old Panasonic camcorders. People people do it, but they're not like prioritizing that. Like we're taking these old things that we used to cherish as children and then repurposing them as like modern tools. Like a Game Boy camera may make you nostalgic, but for a lot of people, it just makes really interesting imagery and Mm -hmm. no other hardware can do it. So as we sort of close out this conversation what are you working on right now i i really want to start doing like gear tours and like i think mainly like tutorials because that was something i i came into early on was like i wanted to to demystify a lot of this stuff and go hey like if you have this stuff at home you can probably make some of it you don't need to buy expensive gear you don't need to be gatekept by like I don't know the the sausage party of like hardware yeah. uh, inventors. Um, I think that's really uh, I had never really thought about that before because I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to do it. And I wouldn't even know how to learn how to do it. Yeah, like there's tutorials out there, but it's still surprisingly little information or like the people who know it find it out for themselves and we'll talk about it with each other. Like I found a lot of this out just by messing with things and then like talking with people who had done the same experimenting on their own time. Um, But like, I I think too, like I got into this through like free open software and I, I, I was inspired by someone whose Tumblr was like literally just called let's glitch it. Let's experiment. And they would just constantly be posting tutorials on very like specific ways to do things. And I think like glitch art is a paintbrush anyone can use. It's just like, you have to know, like what you're going for, like, oh, I want a VHS effects. I want to go grab a camcorder to do this. Or, oh, I can just like output my digital webcam to a VCR and back into a computer and it gets the fuzz I want. Um, yeah, I want to do that. I want to work on more like uh, like music videos and music projects, uh, album art, I don't know, movies, video games, really anything. I just like I kind of want to collab with more people. Um, I want more evergreen content because I spent the last like year and a half kind of just posting to Twitter and having that like evaporate like hours after I post something. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, and Twitter is 
uh, now in such a great place too. So yeah, <laughs> it's in a fantastic place. I really should rely on that for my uh, main source of income. Uh, uh, yep, I'm like actually screwed. Like I'm. Yeah, yeah, that's my main following. I mm-hmm. I like was so excited to. I'm like just under three thousand followers, and now I'm like that's almost worthless. Like I gotta I gotta move somewhere else. I think yep. YouTube makes a lot of sense for me because. It's just more evergreen. Um, there is glitch art content there. And like, not to be a little cynical, like I could come up with some real like clickbaity titles for this stuff too, right? Like how to glitch a Game Boy camera. Um, oh, there was, I had a good one yesterday. I forgot what it was, but there, yeah, like literally just like any retro console glitch art. And I mean, look yeah, at that. I, but like also I think there is, uh, it, there's a, intersection that like i myself am finding on youtube of like unless you have a large following already it could be hard to gain that without engaging a little bit in like oh, yeah duping the algorithm it's eh. it's it's hard but like you can still find that balance of like yeah it's 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 clickbaity but it's also informational and like good content. yeah you can absolutely like I think uh like a lot of channels will do this. They'll justify it by going like, yeah, but we keep the content like pretty like straightforward and like we're here to inform, but like it will just get buried by the algorithm if we don't put a stupid thumbnail on it. And like I'm fine with that. Um I think like I've learned that through Twitter too, is that like no matter how many cool Game Boy camera images I posted on their own, the ones that blew up were always like a picture of a Game Boy camera next to the final image. It works though. Like, I mean, that's what got me. Like, yeah, it, it, yeah, it is sort of like the clickbaity nature of of Twitter, where you have two seconds really to to grab somebody's attention. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you can still have like, there still can be meat on the bones. Like, it's, yeah, it's, there's. I think the process matters to me. Like showing people, hey, this is how this was made. Because a lot of people will just kind of go past art and they won't think of how it was made or how it came to be they're just like oh that's a cool impressive image i see 30 of these on my timeline a minute right but then you go like oh no like i routed this through like a camcorder and a vcr and like uh, a broken playstation or something and then they're like whoa that's insane that's a lot of effort for like something i thought you could just photoshop yeah i i and i think that uh doing it kind of the old way yeah has those sacrifices in that time but um if you can get people to to see and understand the value in it like even if you have to go about it in a clickbaity way it's i think it's it's a net good yeah yeah i want people to know that they can do this like i kind of want to like i don't know democratize make it more accessible yeah demystify it the gear finding it and learning about it's hard but once you set it up it's actually like insanely easy like all the switching i've been doing today and turning knobs like i don't have to do any post-processing it's just like it feels like cheating you plug it in and it works (laughs) where can people find your work um let's see twitter.com yeah twitter.com slash uh glitch wolf glitch underscore wolf with an e um i'm glitch wolf pretty much uh everywhere uh kofi co-hosts uh I, I technically still have a Tumblr. Um, Instagram is probably my my second biggest platform right now. I'm trying to get into Reels there. I have like Good luck. T- two videos on TikTok. Eh. Um, 
yeah, I have a Twitch, I have a YouTube. Both of those are kind of empty, but maybe I'll post some stuff in the following I think, year. I there. think you should totally go for YouTube. I think your, your work and that format would merge really well. Well, uh, thank you so much for having this conversation. It was a pleasure. Have a good rest of your night. All right. Likewise. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode in this reignited series. If you want to support the show, you can go over to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash catgrapham. And you'll also get exclusive access to the video version of this show. I'm very excited to make new episodes. And until next time. And it's going to be a blast. So do not stick around and stay tuned.